This episode is brought to you by Portland Distro. If you like underground music, movies, and more, go to portlanddistro.com for licensed merch, vinyl, CDs, and more. Plug in the discount code 10 off T E N O F F for a 10% discount at portlanddistro.com. Welcome to the Halloween playlist episode for the Everything Went Black podcast. Welcome back, Jay Bennett. He's appeared on this show several times over the years. And whenever I have to put one of these together, I always reach out to Jay. He's got an impeccable knowledge of music. So it's uh, it's cool to have him on and uh, maybe you guys can get turned on to some music that's also new to you. Before we get rolling, I want to give thanks to everyone who has been listening to the show. I'd also like to thank our newest member of the Patreon family, Clarkson. Thanks for joining up. Uh, For those of you who are curious about what Patreon is, it's a way of supporting the show. In addition, of course, to just listening, you can join for as little as $1 a month and get access to all the bonus content. For $5 a month, you get the bonus content plus early access to the regular stream episodes. And now there's a special sponsor tier for Patreon. For $25, I will give you a custom read for any project, business, bands, or whatever, similar to the Portland Distro ad at the beginning of the episode. And uh, you you can cancel at any time doesn't have to be an ongoing thing. You can do it one month, two months, three months, totally up to you. Now, we're not in this alone. We've got allies out there, and I'd like to thank my fellow podcasting brothers, a fellow podcasting legion. Of course, we're talking about Horror Wolf 666, hosted by Brandon Legion. If you dig horror, check out his show. It's focused on interviews with luminaries within the horror world. On Tuesday, we have the only music podcast that I listen to, and of course, that is Into the Necrosphere, hosted by Jackie Smith. Wednesday, of course, is Everything Went Black Day. Thursday is Hashtag Necro Thursday. That's the day that I, that Necromaniacs drops. The podcast I co-host with Mike Scandato and Jeff Kashid. All things horror, we talk about movies, we talk about music, we talk about all kinds of stuff. And on Sunday, Carl Hikara comes at you on the Lord's Day with Soul Knox. And now, on to the episode. I've got my good friend Jay here. We're going to give you guys our picks for the official Halloween playlist over here at Everything Went Black. And uh, so Jay, how's it going? Great man, fantastic. Um, Halloween, uh, Halloween is the only cool holiday I think. You know, I like, I like, you know, don't get me wrong. I like having time off for the other holidays, but um, you know, the substance of them doesn't really interest me that much, I guess, because um, most of it sucks to be honest. Um, but uh, Halloween is fucking great, man. It's the best. You get to dress up. It's like spooky stuff. You watch horror movies. I mean, you can watch horror movies year round, but it's like, you know, you can go hard on it. And, uh, 
plus all these tunes we're going to talk about today, you know? Yeah, it's definitely a vibe. I know that um, so many people look forward to Halloween, and I'm definitely one of them. I mean, you know me well enough at yeah. this stage of our lives, you know, to understand my uh, fascination with all things macabre. So it's no surprise that I love Halloween. Yeah, totally. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Um, really uh, funny week, actually. I uh, spilled coffee on my uh, my laptop. So, um, of course, laptops uh, shot. I had to uh, run out and buy a brand new one. And um, luckily, most of my data was backed up on the, the OneDrive, you know, the cloud, right? Mm. However, yeah. I did lose a couple of things, which were like, uh, like works in progress and stuff like that that was not backed up. So that's kind of a bummer. Mm. Ooh, that's a fucking major drag, man. Plus the, um, plus the sort of, um, <laughs> it's not exactly cheap to go get a new laptop. No. Here. No, definitely not. And, uh, you know, I, I but I, hey, you got to do these things sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. Uh, last night, I saw our mutual friend, Eugene S. Robinson, at the End of Nowhere yeah. launch party in Brooklyn. The, the best, man. That, that, the, I love that guy. He's great. What, what, what is the End of Nowhere? I don't know about this. Well, I don't have a lot of intel about it. You know how secretive uh, Eugene is about a lot of stuff, you know, until it actually <laughs> happens. Like, you know, he has this um, this weird thing that he does where uh, he doesn't really tell you where he's going. Yeah. It's when he's already is there and it's done, then he tells you where he's been. Okay. Right. Right. So, uh, but this thing was like an invite sort of situation, so he had to give me some kind of. You know something, some some intel to go on, so I knew where to go. Right. My name had to be on a list, like that kind of thing, you know. Right. But it was, I think it's um, from what I can gather, it's a brand new media site that he's involved with on then, uh, let's say like an executive level. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, like he's probably like you know editor in chief or something like that, you know. So yeah, it was fun, man. It was um he kind of was like the uh master ceremonies uh host. There was a bunch of different people there, including Lydia Lunch and uh Lena Dawes. She's also a writer. She wrote a book yeah. called uh What Are You Doing Here? You know, you do you know her? Yeah, I've I've met her. I don't know her well, but I have met her um briefly. Uh it might have even been at a tunes show now that I'm thinking about it. Um but I'm not sure. But yes, I have met her briefly. Um, and I did see some photos from um, of Eugene sitting with um, Lydia Lunch. So I knew he was up to something, some sort of event. But um, I didn't know all the details. Yeah, Lena Lena's actually been a, a guest on this podcast. If you guys go back several years at this point, uh, when the when her book came out, I uh, interviewed her. So um, So yeah, you guys could check that out. And definitely check out her book. It's really cool. It's about heavy metal, being a uh, young woman of color in Canada, uh, getting into uh, extreme music. Really interesting uh, read. Yeah. Yeah. Ran into some people. I saw Selden Hunt, which was, um, I haven't seen him in a while. Yeah. And I was uh, introduced to this guy named Drew that um, is the host of New York Hardcore Chronicles. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't. I never listen. I don't know what that is really, but uh, Eugene was like, 
you guys should know each other. Let me introduce you. I'm like, oh, hey, what's up? I'm Mike. And that was pretty much all we said to each other. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I love you, man. I'm always, I'm always, um, I'm always, uh, I'm always interested in whatever he is up to. You know what I mean? It's just like a, um, it's a cool, interesting guy. And, um, you know, we both had a lot of, um, experience with him over the years. And, uh, so he's just one of those guys that you, um, you know, you stay in touch with and it's always, it's always like, he's always getting into something, you know? I mean, he's kind of like a modern day, uh, Marcus Aurelius or something like that. You know what I mean? He's like, he's like this, you know, uh, really into the physical form, you know, intellectual, you know, philosophical pursuits, you know, that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. He's great, man. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, um, I'm very pro pro Eugene. <laughs> All right, man. So, uh, what I figure we do, um, we run down. We go. We go one for one. We talk about these songs, and then we have. If we have any honorable mentions, we uh, we, we talk about those. And then just uh, a heads up to everybody. Uh, people have been asking about where to find the playlists, and there's a couple of ways you can do that. The simplest way is just check out the Facebook page for Everything Went Black, and you'll see a post for the Spotify playlist. And um, if you also want to go to everythingwentblackmedia.com, the website, the show notes for each episode post will have the player embedded in in each post for the episode. Or you can just follow me on Spotify, uh, Michael Hill. And that's uh, how you find all the playlists for all the shows. And for those of you on Patreon that are listening to this, there's going to be a separate uh, post that's only going to be the embedded player. So it'll show up in your feed automatically. So that's how uh, that's how we do this. Wow, oh, man. Science marches on. I know, man. Remember when uh, we used to make like cassette tapes for people and just like mail it to them or give them to them at a show or something like that? Yeah, totally. And then like make uh, flyers at Kinko's. Yeah, totally. I remember there was like this, this dude that uh, I knew that would you if you bought like say like a van halen cassette and you put tape over the top you could record over it yep exactly i knew this guy who would make cassettes on like you know like foreigner like previously purchased foreigner tapes or something like that or lover boy or something and record (laughs) over the music (laughs) didn't hand them off to people (laughs) that's fucking great yeah I think I bought a secondhand cassette that was like something like that too. That I like, where I actually thought I was buying, for example, like I thought I was buying the Van Halen cassette, but someone had like taped over it and put oh, some other shit on it. It was like a demo <laughs> of his band or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. One of the interesting things, man, I, I don't know, I just figured this made me think of it since um, I was in Brooklyn last night. I no longer live there, I live out in New Jersey, but. It trips me out, like how much things change and how quickly they change, you know. And like, you know, I I haven't lived in Brooklyn for over two years, you know. And and uh, I don't know, things just you go back to a place you used to live in, and everything's different. So it's fucking weird, yeah. you know. I mean, Boston is parts of Boston are like 
practically unrecognizable. It's shocking. I'm actually going to Boston this weekend Boston for a wedding, weekend. and uh, I'm, I'm getting ready to have my mind blown when I go up there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It'll, it'll happen. Yeah. All right, so uh, for the spookiest time of year, man, like what's uh, you? Let's uh, since you're the guest, let's uh, let's see what you got for for your your number five, Jay. Okay, let's see here. We'll go reverse order. All right, so my number five is going to be. All right, I'm going to go with. I know this. I know a lot of people maybe maybe don't think of this as a Halloween song necessarily, but to me, it's like. It's from a horror movie that um, I kind of, uh, I mean, you know, you associate horror movies with Halloween. And I, this may have even like, the first time I saw the movie might have been around Halloween. So maybe that's where it kind of makes sense to me in my mind. Um, but uh, I'm going to go with Dawkins, the Dream Warriors. And, and also it's like just one of the greatest songs like ever. And of course it was on the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors film. Uh with a very young and good looking Patricia Arquette. Um, so I don't know. I know it's not like, you know, so a lot of the, the rest of the songs on my list are going to be like, you know, Halloween. Um, but this one is just, I don't know, man. I, it's a, it's a good, uh, I think it fits the season, even though it's not about like the holiday or like, you know, anything like that. Yeah. That's uh that's a good one, man. I, um, that's a great movie, by the way, too. Those first couple of Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, you know, entries into the franchise, I thought were, were pretty excellent. You know, one, two, and three, I thought were great. A lot of people don't like two, but I, I actually represent uh, two, you know, pretty pretty staunchly. Me too, man. I actually rewatched it recently because my plan was I was going to watch it, and then there was apparently there's a really great I haven't seen it yet, but there's a really great documentary about that one. Um. Uh, I think it's called Scream Queen or something like that. Um, uh, and I and I was like, all right, I'm going to watch the movie and then I'm going to watch the documentary. And then so I watched the movie, but then like I just kind of got distracted with life and I never made it around to watching the documentary. But um, I'm looking forward to it. I heard it was great. Yeah, that documentary is real solid, man. It's um, I remember I remember I saw that a few years ago, like when it came out on Shudder. And uh, it was um, Robert England actually comes off really cool in the documentary you know yeah you know it's funny i actually saw recently uh gibson guitars put together like a show that they're doing um they put it out on youtube it's like monsters and metal something like that and they had uh this came out like maybe i don't know four or five months ago um and they had like a joint interview with robert england and don dawkin um talking about specifically, you know, Dream Warriors and the sort of the connection because also Freddie was famously in the video for Dream Warriors. Yeah. I mean, there was, they did, like there were scenes from the movie in the video, but then they also did a separate shoot where like Freddie is interacting with the band for the video, which is pretty cool. Um, uh, and I always remember that too. Um, so that was cool. I, I recommend that to anyone who's like interested in the film. It was like cool to see those guys like, um, you know, Don, Don Dawkins and Robert England, like in a joint interview about the film was pretty cool. Yeah. Dawkins is definitely one of the bands from that era that in my mind holds up and like them and like LA guns and, you know, wasp are, are the bands that I actually still listen to these days from the eighties, you know? Absolutely, man. I just listened. I was just at, I, 
I was just at the gym before we did this, and I listened to that first Wasp record the whole time I was there. I, I listened to that regularly, like at least once a month. I listened to the first Wasp record. It's dynamite. Yeah, man. That's there's there's some actually. I, I think I'll rep the first first two Wasp records. Yeah, I know the second one's great too. Absolutely. Yeah, no, totally. And uh, you know another another great track by Dokken is uh is in my dreams. That's probably my yeah. favorite Dokken song. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's up there for me too. And that, it's so funny because I I, I want to say like. I want to say in my dreams came out before um, like maybe a year or two before dream warriors. If I have my timeline, right. Um, I could be wrong about that. Um, but uh, it's funny because they could have just used in my dreams as the, you know what I mean? As the dream warriors song, but instead they wrote a separate song about dreams. Which Hell yeah. yeah. In the, uh, the, in my dreams video during the guitar solo, George Lynch is wearing a different outfit than he is in the rest of the video. And um, his new outfit for the solo, he's wearing one black glove. Yeah, that's good. That's that's good. I like that. It's fucking hard, man, I think. Yeah, I'm into into that, man. Those guys hated each other, too, like George Lynch and Don Dock. I'm like, (laughs) I, I, I I read an article in my classic rock magazine, I want to say, like, maybe... I don't know, eight or nine years ago, George Lynch apparently physically knocked out Don Dockin on two occasions. <laughs> really? I can yeah. see that. You know, I think, um, isn't George Lynch into like uh, some kind of Muay Thai training or something like that? He might be. You know, I you know, I, I remember seeing his Instagram and he looks like, I mean, I don't know what he does training-wise. He looks like he's in shape anyway. Dude. You know what I mean? He's one of those guys like Joe Perry, like like they're just like ripped, like but they don't. You know, yeah. they're just like these, they have those weird, like, like stoner bodies, you know, those like, yeah. like drug addict bodies or whatever, where they're like yeah. shredded, but they're like smoking yeah, yeah, cigarettes yeah. and drinking whiskey like every night. I don't know how he pulls that off, man. Yeah. Iggy pop, man. Yeah. Crazy. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So my number five is I was a teenage werewolf by, by the cramps. And, Great uh, call. Great. Dude. Once, ever since I was in high school, when the weather starts getting colder and you come into like September, October, it's all about the cramps for me, man. That's, um, you know, like one of my, uh, one of my go-to bands during this time of year. There's something inherently spooky about them. Are, were, were you ever a big fan of theirs or do you ever get into them at all? I love them, man. And in fact, I was going to put a cramp song on myself until I saw that you had already added them. Um, I love, I, I love them, man. I love the whole, like the story about them and that whole record songs. The Lord taught us is so great. And, um, I just, I mean, the whole thing about them playing at the mental institution and, um, I don't know, man, they just had, um, they wrote good songs, catchy songs, the horror themes, and they had like a really great sense of humor about it, which I always, um, appreciated about them, you know? Um, and they've kind of, and they kind of, you know, turned me on to um, a lot of like stuff from the '50s that I, because you know that was kind of their big inspiration, um, that I would have kind of never maybe found out about otherwise. You know what I mean? What what for me actually uh, growing up, my my parents were big into like you know Roy Orbison and like all that kind of stuff and Elvis. So yeah. my earliest recollections of hearing music was music from that era. So when yeah. 
you know, punk bands had that sort of flair to them. I, I immediately gravitated towards that style. Like I loved the Cramps, the Gun Club, you know, X, you know, yeah. Misfits, obviously, you know, Danzig is like a disciple of Roy Orbison and Elvis and, you know, that whole thing. Totally. You know, and, and there's there's something inherently spooky about that music, especially like Roy Orbison's music. You know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Roy Orbison is like one of the masters, man. I think I I I, I remember um, Dan, Glenn Danzig wrote a song for Roy Orbison. It's on the um, it's on the Less Than Zero soundtrack. Um. Yeah, that's a, that's a, there's like an interesting story about how like Danzig was in that weird in between phase where like Sam Hain was kind of done or he had signed with rick rubin but he didn't have his full band together yet right and they were this this was right when they were doing their um the soundtrack for less than zero which glenn danzig has a song on which is it's called glenn danzig and the power and fury orchestra just the title track less than zero and then uh i forgot oh man i wish i could remember what the royal Orbison song is called but uh it's great and glenn danzig wrote it for isn't it uh something like uh life ends or something some life fades away life, life fades, fades away, away. That's yeah that's it yeah and it's so great too also uh poison ivy from the cramps was very instrumental yeah. in uh the formation of my appreciation of women when i was a young young boy actually yeah. you know yeah. a lot of a lot of like you know growing up in the small town you know people have like a very specific idea about the type of women that you know you should be attracted to and uh right right but not not me i um immediately was uh sort of into the whole you know patricia morrison uh you know poison ivy like that whole trip when i was growing up and it yeah. kind of set set in my oh. mind exactly the kind of things i liked you know 100 percent, man yeah i mean yeah she i mean like what, what a um a talented um uh beautiful lady yeah, yeah totally. a total babe and an ass kicker on guitar. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just that's that whole style, that twangy like rockabilly style was like so awesome, you know. Yeah. All right, man, you're up for number four. Okay, number four is going to be all right. This is kind of this might be an obscure one up, but this is this is a band I got turned on to. I don't know maybe 10 years ago or something. Um, the band is called Halloween. And the song is Trick or Treat. And it's from an album called Don't Meddle with Evil. But it's metal like <laughs> like M-E-T-A-L. Yeah, it's pretty great. And um, this is from like 85, I want to say. Yeah, the record came out in 85. They're from Detroit. Um, like, uh, it's super obscure. Like the, an actual copy of this um, you know, finance vinyl. Um, I, cause I think it was like, I'm looking at it right now. It's like, you know, Motor City Metal Records. So it's like a tiny little, little label. It says there were only, it says there were 7,000 copies pressed on Metal Archive. That sounds high to me. Um, anyway, if this thing, like it costs like hundreds of dollars if you can even find one. Um, but uh, uh, the whole record's great. Um, but obviously this song has the Halloween theme, so I pick it. Um, you, you could, Really, any song on here is pretty, um, pretty cool. Um, uh, so yeah, that's my uh, that's my uh, number four, um, 
and hopefully maybe 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 I don't know maybe that's one your listeners might not know it's kind of obscurity but it's um it's a cool track I highly recommend it I I, I gotta be honest I'd never heard of them actually of course I've heard of Halloween yeah 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 of course yeah the, the Germans <laughs> yeah Halloween interesting okay yeah 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 it's a good little um good good obscurity right there yeah so my number four is uh, straight down on the nose, actually. Um, you know, this is uh, very obvious, not obscure at all. But I have to be honest, the song Halloween by Misfits. I mean, you can't go wrong, yeah. man. I mean, it's, it, it, it might seem like, you know what I mean? Anyone listening to this might go, oh, well, it's an obvious pick. But you know what, I man? It has to be included. I'm, I'm, I would I would counter that this list this whole conversation would be incomplete if we weren't talking about the song. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and and the funny thing about it, uh, it's it came out on as a single in 1981, and uh, surprisingly, the B side to that single was Halloween Two. Yep. yep I have <laughs> so. a, someone did someone did years ago. Um, they still pop up every now and again. Some some. Years ago, someone did very meticulous reproductions of those early Misfits singles, um, down to like the color schemes and the inserts and everything. Um, and I have like a bunch of them. They're all repros because the originals are obviously like, you know, so expensive and hard to find. Um, but I do have that Halloween one, uh, and it's it's orange vinyl. And um, you know, I'll be. Um, I mean, I'm going to be busting it out soon. Obviously, you know. Yeah, I think. Last Friday, I actually uh, started cranking Misfits. I mean, I listened to them fairly regularly as well as Danzig and Sam Hain. But, like, yeah, the window open. It was chilly out. It just, you know, there was frost on the pumpkin. You know, it was that type of that type of day. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, yeah Glenn Danzig mans it. Also, um, you know, you talk about the reproductions and the colors and all that. I mean, you know, Danzig... I know now everyone is like, oh, Danzig's like, you know, the spooky guys and so skulls and evil and all this sort of stuff. But, you know, you have to give credit for a guy to to Danzig for basically creating this whole like horror punk sort of thing. And I don't really like a lot of bands that are would be classified as horror punk. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, no, um, I don't like I, I... Pretty yeah. sure I don't like any of them except the Misfits. <laughs> yeah, Misfits and like you know the the Undead's kind of cool, you know. But yeah, yeah. yeah that whole genre is kind of whack, I think. And you know, no offense to anyone out there who loves that stuff, but I think it's kind of whack in my opinion. And no, um, no, to me, yeah, to me that's like the same thing as like to me that's the same thing as like you have all those new metal bands that are like super influenced by Faith or something. It's like it's like okay, I get it that you're influenced by that band, but you like. And you did your own thing, which is cool, but like clearly you did not like get the essence of what was going on there. You know what I mean? And that's what I feel about the horror punk bands with like the Misfits. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and the thing about Danzig and Misfits and all of his other you know things is like the vision behind it. You know, and and each each one of these things is completely different. You know, like um, obviously the Misfits were leaning more into like the kind of campiness of. Um, you know, of like old school, like horror films, but there's like beneath the camp, there's like definitely like this like sinister undercurrent that carries through their music. You know what I mean? 
Absolutely, man. And the guy could write a shit. They would write the shit out of a song, man. I mean, like from the from the Misfits through Sam Hain through the first like four, three and a half Danzig records, um, that shit is untouchable, man. Yeah, hell you know? yeah. I, you know, I, I I can't think of anyone else who has written that many cool songs, and certainly not across three bands. You yeah. Know? There there's um a show on Shutter called Core. And uh, I don't know if it's going to re- be renewed or anything, but it, there was one season of it, and the final episode features Glenn Danzig, and he talks about his uh, like artistic like conceptualization of those early records and why he chose certain colors and things like that. It's like really interesting, and you know, aside from being an incredible songwriter, he's he's just I think a brilliant designer. You know what I mean? Like he understands like all this shadow and color and black and white and all this other stuff you know no absolutely man i totally agree and i know you know and it's like kind of easy to give him shit and say all right well he stole the you know he stole the crimson ghost from an old serial and he stole this you know the danzig skull from a comic book it's all true um but i mean i don't know man it's kind of like brings you back to that saying like isn't that they're saying that like you know (laughs) Good, good artists borrow, great artists steal. I mean, it's kind of, if Glenn Danzig's case, I guess it's kind of true, you know? Yeah, but, you know, I mean, honestly, think about the time frame. It, everything was, like, cut up and borrowed and, you know, I mean. Totally. That was the nature. Especially of, for punk. Yeah, for punk rock. That was, like, the nature of that whole thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's uh, that's my number four. All right, so now we're at my number three, right? Yep. Number three. All right, number three is going to be, which way should I go here? Well, all right, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with King Diamond doing yeah. the song Halloween nice. from, the, from the Fatal Fourth album. Um, I really like this song. And my, but where I'm going with this is, I actually am not, I love, love, love Merciful Fate. I love Merciful Fate. When King Diamond went solo outside of Merciful Fate, I, I, a lot of that stuff wasn't. I'm not as interested in that. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't have the same effect for me. Um, but uh, you know, the Halloween. This is like pretty early. This might be. Is this? The, oh, I'm gonna look it up right now. I believe this was like super early in the King Diamond. Um, yeah. So this is the first. This is actually the first. King Diamond proper full length, 1986, Fatal Portrait, Halloween. So kind of after that, the King Diamond solo stuff is not as interesting to me. But when he was coming out of Merciful Fate and he did this um, this Fatal Portrait record, and this song Halloween in particular, I just think it's great. Excellent. Highly recommended. Um, and, you know, uh, he's obviously one of those guys. Uh, his voice is very unique. Oh, yeah. Um, you're either you're you're either fully on board or it's not going to be for you. That's just kind of how it goes. You're not going to be like in between around the King Diamond. You know what I mean? Um, uh, but I think I don't know. I, I think this track is cool. I love it. It's it's my number three. Yeah, that's a great song, man. I um definitely. Uh, I I got to be honest. I love King Diamond, but uh, I I'm I, I'm probably similar to you. I lean more towards uh, Merciful Fate. I just think the riffs are a little bit cooler in that band. Yeah, they're a little more like um, you can tell that they was that they like. I, I think because it was earlier on, they're a little more like have that classic rock influence. Yeah. Um, 
And there's some great, I don't know if you heard it, there's like, a, um, so prior to even Merciful Fate, King Diamond was in a band called uh, Black Rose or Black Roses, something like that. Oh, wow. In, in Copenhagen. And, and they were more of like a classic rock style band. And Metal Blade, like 20 years ago at this point, released like rehearsal tapes, oh, wow. like basement tapes of, of Black Rose. And you can hear that band and their classic rock thing. And there's even, they cover um, Golden Earring, Radar Love. Oh, hell yeah. Um, so you can hear King Diamond like sing that, sing that song, which is really cool, you know. Um, but yeah, so I think to, for me, that's kind of the difference between Merciful Fate and... King Diamond. I think the songs are better in Merciful Fate, and I think they still have just enough of that like classic rock feel um, that makes it a little more interesting than what he ended up doing solo with King Diamond, which is still cool, but not as much for me, you know. Yeah, definitely. It's almost like um, like my my impression of uh, Merciful Fate versus King Diamond. It's almost like you know, not not talking about vocals, but if, when Sabbath had. The, the transition from Ozzy to Ronnie James Dio, the change in the music between those two yeah. bands is almost like Merciful yeah. Fate versus King Diamond on his own. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, especially because those last two records with Ozzy were kind of like, I mean, there's some good songs on there, but they were kind of like, you could tell that they were like the cocaine was like kicking in and the ideas <laughs> were not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, because those first two records, Ronnie James Dio were just fucking ripping. <laughs> like, you know yeah, what I mean? yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I, I mean, oh, and by, you know, obviously, you know, Merce Fate, I think, I don't know, I think they're on tour now, but I have tickets, they're playing here in LA at the end of the month and I'm super fucking excited. Um, yeah, I got to try to catch that, man. There's, um, I was supposed to be on tour in November, but our, our tour got, uh, postponed until the spring of next year. So, um, uh, yeah, there was some visa issues with, uh, you know, one gotcha. one of uh one of the bands on the tour, so the whole thing got bumped. Gotcha. So I have now I have nothing to do in November and um <laughs> so I gotta start filling up my time so I'm not sitting by myself in my apartment anymore, you know. Yeah, man, go see Merciful Fate. Do yourself a favor. Hell yeah. <laughs> so my number three is uh typo negative black number one. Excellent. Yeah, from uh, Bloody Kisses in 1993. That's a classic record. <clears throat> you know, originally I wasn't a big fan of Typo Negative. I um, didn't appreciate the humorous elements in there. But yeah. as time went on, man, it and repeated listenings and like attempts at getting into them and then other people... Just it's there for me. They were one of those bands where one day I just woke up and I'm like, yeah, this is fucking brilliant. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I just think um, I, I, I think Typo Negative were like kind of geniuses in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, and no, I totally. love I love the humor was kind of like beyond the songs was like the thing that kind of sold me about them. Um, I was lucky enough to see them on this tour for this record for Bloody Kisses, actually with. I saw them at the hockey arena in Fitchburg, Mass, with um, with Danzig actually, and Godflesh was. Oh wow, there. that's a killer show, yeah, man! It, it was killer, man. It was great. Ninety four, um, and uh, and then I saw them again in ninety six when they put out October Rust. Um, I saw, I believe that was at the Avalon in Boston. Oh wow, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, 
and uh, yeah, man, it was great. And then like sort of later in life, I got to do a lot of stuff with these guys, like working, doing interviews and stuff. And in fact, I, you know, you, I see you've selected the, 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 you know, the version from the top shelf edition reissue of, oh, yeah. the, um, of Bloody Kisses. So I wrote the liner notes for that. I um, didn't know that. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's totally. excellent, man. Yeah. Um, so I've done a bunch of stuff with those guys over the years. Um, and uh, they were always great, super cool, like nice guys. And, you know, Pete Steele's passing is obviously a. I, I think I, I, I'm, I'm told that I actually did the last interview with him, too, which is, um, um, you know, weird to think about. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. That song in particular just reminds me of very specific people. And uh, it's kind of like an ode to, um, you know, South Brooklyn in some ways. You know what I mean? It's like... Yeah, you uh, know, I think what... Yeah, what, what were you going to say, Jay? Well, no, I was going to say, what I think is, like, brilliant about this song, and not only is it catchy, but I can't think of another song that is, like, so popular with, like, the very people it's making fun of. Exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> like, what I was getting it's, at. It's like, it's, it's like making fun of goth people, but goth people love this song. Yep. You know, and I think like if you could do something like that, and that's what, like I said earlier, I think they're geniuses. I I can't think of anyone else who's done that. That's a genius fucking move. You know, I've got one beef with the lyrics though. Yeah. Yeah. All right. There's a line in the song that says she's got a date at midnight with Nosferatu, right? Yeah. Now that's not the name of the character in the movie. <laughs> the char- the vampire in Nosferatu is Count Orlock. Right. Nosferatu right. simply means vampire. Well, you know, what do you want to do? Dated, <laughs> she's going to date Count Orlock doesn't sound as good. And it doesn't, man. You know, it just doesn't work. But you know, we'll 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 uh, you know we'll allow that little bit of you know artistic license there, I guess. Yeah, let's not let's not speak ill of the dead. No, 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 definitely no. no. It's, it's a brilliant song. It's one of my favorites. I have I have a lot of favorites by them. That, you know, as as it stands, and you know, the early years, not really a big fan, but as time went on, I they became a, a, a fucking one of my favorite bands, probably. Yeah, I mean, they're I I, I think uh, they're fucking great, man. They were they were. I mean, they are. I mean, to me, it's like you know that stuff lives on, even though you know they're not a band and Pete Steele is gone. Um, you know, they're um, they're one of the all-time greats, man. I think um, I really, uh, really love them. Um, all right, where are we at? I got to do my number two. Is that number, what I'm at? Number two, man. We're, we're moving right along on this. Okay, number two. I'm gonna go with. I I love this song, uh, "Night of the Vampire" by Rocky Erickson. Hell yeah. I love this song. Uh, I love Rocky Erickson. The whole record that this is on is um, is great. Great Gremlins have pictures is great. Um, uh, I actually heard this like, m- you know, much like a lot. You know, I think you know we've talked about before like Metallica's um, Garage Days EP. How that how you know it kind of like was turned us on to like um, Diamond Head or um, uh, you know in my case certainly the, the Misfits. Um, yeah. Killing Joke. Yeah. Yeah, Killing Joke. Exactly. So I also had a similar thing with this song. I heard it first because Entombed covered this song. Yep. Um, and so I heard Entombed's version first. I was like, oh, what the fuck is this? And then I kind of through that dis- discovered Rocky Erickson. Um, uh, you know, in the whatever, I forget when Entombed did it, like in the late 90s or something. Um, 
early 90s, mid 90s. I, I can't even remember anymore. But yeah, I heard in Tombs version first, which is also great. Um, uh, uh, but I had to, you know, I had to put the original here and give props to Rocky, who was um, who's a genius, you know. Yeah, that guy was definitely another incredible songwriter. He's got a huge legacy. And, um, you know, some of you younger guys out there who might not know Rocky Erickson, definitely go check him out. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, it's a kind of a tragic figure, tragic story, but um, he was like a brilliant songwriter who maybe had a little too much going on in his head. And then, you know, the state of Texas didn't help him out too much. I think he was kind of like, I think they kind of like pulled a one floor over the cuckoo's nest on him. You know what I mean? A little electroshock treatment or something. Um, sad story. Yeah, tragic story. Yeah. So my uh, number two is Bauhaus's Bella Lugosi's Dead. It's their first single from, get this, 1979. Yeah, amazing. 1979, Jay. I know, I know, man. I know. And you know what I always think of? You probably know what I'm going to talk about here. The opening scene of The Hunger. Oh yeah, I have it written down. Actually, that that's my that's yeah. how I found out about these guys. Was like, yeah, I mean, you know, the horror film, incredible. The Hunger. You know, yeah, David Bowie, Catherine Deneuve, um, and the opening scene, as you know, is Bauhaus playing in a in a, in a nightclub, and it's fucking awesome. <laughs> Dude, it was like the coolest thing I'd ever seen at that point in my life, man. It's like Peter Murphy's got like no shirt on with like a blazer. There's they're behind a chain link fence. There's like smoke machine. Everyone's wearing sunglasses, like out in the crowd, you know, it's like nighttime. Everyone looks cool smoking cigarettes and wearing sunglasses inside <laughs> the best. Awesome. Man. Yeah. 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 That, that. that movie's great, great too. It's a really great movie, and like, yeah, that's another thing, man. Like, I, I was I was talking about the movie to someone recently, and I was trying to explain, like, yeah, it's a vampire movie, and there's tons of vampire movies, but especially whenever that came out, what was it, like early '80s or something, right? Yeah, it was um, like mid mid '80s, um, maybe. It's a very different take on like the vampire story. It's like a kind of like a sad, tragic tale, you know. It's not. Um, it is not like um, your typical like. Uh, you know, feasting on the virgins or whatever type vampire story. It's it's like it's like kind of a, like a touching, sad story. You know. Yeah, I I um I revisit that movie frequently. I I have like a Blu-ray of it, and uh, just uh, anyone who hasn't seen it, there's no fangs in this one. There's like this sketchy little cutter that that they use yeah. to draw the blood. You know. It's got some kind of like yeah. onk symbol or something like that on it, and they just like slash people with it and they drink their blood. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a it's a a great flick, and this um, and this song is. Um, I mean, fan. I mean, it's fantastic, and I. Uh, it's a great choice, man. Great choice. You know, I'd, I'd never heard anything like this, man, when I was a kid, and um, you know, furthermore, I couldn't find any records by them or anything until I went to New York City. Uh, it was one of those um, nights where I was supposed to be someplace else, but I was on a train going into Manhattan, <laughs> and uh, and, I, and that's when I found like some Bauhaus records. So um, you know, it's a secret uh, expedition into the city when I was a young young uh, young lad. You know. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like that. 
great, man. Um, all right, wait, we're at number one now, huh? Yeah. All right, so my number one is again, you know, I, you know, we talked about misfits, and that might seem obvious, and this one's going to seem obvious too, but um, it's John Carpenter's theme from Halloween, man. Ah, I mean, yeah. it's just all. I mean, to me, to me, there's just nothing more quintessentially Halloween. Um, you know, this movie, the movie's almost as old as I am, so I kind of associated this that theme song with Halloween like my entire life, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, that's my number one, man. It's just like so. It's just so cool, like so spooky. Uh, I mean, I, I, there's some crazy story. Like he had to write it in like 24 hours. You know what I mean? To make his like deadline. Um, I just can't believe you came up with something like this that is so like ingrained in the the public consciousness now especially if you're a horror fan um and uh and certainly my consciousness like to me this is i mean this is why it's my number one it's just when i think of halloween i think of the the theme song you know the 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 main title instrumental theme that john carpenter wrote for his own movie halloween it's fantastic well done jay that's that's uh i didn't even think to go there with like uh scores music from film scores that's awesome it's um, it's uh, you know what I'm saying, though, right? I mean, totally, that's, dude. That, I mean, that that's like, an iconic, like, uh, little little cue there, you know. And and um, what's also cool about that selection is like I think these days, John Carpenter would like people to think of him as a musician as opposed to a filmmaker. So it's cool that you gave him props here, you know. Oh, absolutely, man. You know, I've interviewed him like maybe three times in the last few years since he's been starting to put out these kind of lost themes records and, and touring now starting to tour in his 70s yeah. uh, and he always like what always comes up in our conversations is how much he hates making movies like that's why he hasn't made one in over 20 <laughs> years and, and, and then why he can't watch his own movies he's like i can't watch him because all i think about is how miserable i was when i was making it and like or whatever was going on that was like stressing me the fuck out uh he's like i can't watch him because i just takes me back to like how i wanted to fucking pull all my hair out um but music, he's like totally chill and would like talk about it all day. You know what I mean? That's awesome, it's man. Funny. Yeah. I mean, he always looked like a guy that would be in a band. Like back in the day when he was making these films, he looked like he like was in Yes or something, you know, with the long hair and the mustache and all that. So get this, he before he started making movies, like uh, he he was in college somewhere in like kentucky i think he might is he from kentucky i think he might be from kentucky he was in college somewhere and he was in a band like a college band and they would go play like um like frat parties and shit like that you know like that was kind of like his thing when he was in college it was pretty funny also let's mention that carpenter has had a very deep impact on minimalist electronic music too yeah. You know, there's like tons of bands out there, you know what I mean? Uh zombie, you know, there's uh Carpenter yeah. Brute. You know, there's like tons of yep. bands that you know, I mean, the disaster piece, like all these like guys making film scores, these remember there was that wave of films that's maybe it started like maybe ten years ago, I think, where uh there was like It Follows, where they were basically oh like a revisualization of what he was doing back in the seventies. Yeah. Yeah, totally. All right. So my number one is uh Sam Hain to walk the night. 
off of Samhain 3, November Coming Fire, which came out in 1986. And this is my favorite Samhain song. And um, unfortunately, this is not on uh, Spotify. <laughs> it's a phenomenal, phenomenal track. Um, yeah. Um, you know, anyone who hasn't heard, I think you, I'm sure you can dig it up on YouTube or something like that. Or um, I don't know. Is there is there like, I mean, do, it, does stuff come up on Apple Music that doesn't come up on Spotify? I don't know how that works. Nah, like, there, this Apple. does not exist. In the uh, digital realm for some reason, you know, I was going to ask you if maybe you knew why. I mean, you know, I I don't know. Do you do you know why? I don't. I can only imagine it's like a um, a, a contractual thing like, you know, they're waiting on going to to sign some papers or or who knows or whoever. I mean, I don't know. Those records were was it still plan nine for the Sam Hine records or was someone else put them on? I can't remember. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's in so control of all this stuff, you know. Yeah, so it, it must be they must be, um, you know, uh, maybe whatever. Con- I don't know if this was was the stuff on there before. Maybe the contract expired and it just hasn't. The shit seems to happen all the time with all different kinds of people, and I I never know. I mean, it has to do with like is the contract in, um, you know, is it up to date? It's like cover the time period that you're in right now. Um, I've seen it happen, like with our our, our friends in, in ISIS, their, their stuff disappeared for a while. And oh, really? Back. Yeah, it, it seems to happen with like I know Cool Keith. It's all kinds of. We, he's put out so many records on so many different labels, like shit. Like some of it's there sometimes, and then it disappears, and other stuff appears, and like it's hard. It's rare that you see all his stuff on there at once. Um, so it just kind of yeah, it seems to depend on like, like you know, sort of like the term of the the terms of the contract, like. In, when I say terms, I mean like the, um, you know, like when it expires or whatever. And it seems like people are not keeping up with like making sure that they have it overlapping so the shit stays up there, you know? Yeah, to the best of my knowledge, none of the Sam Haynes stuff was ever on uh, on streaming, you know? So now we'll yeah. see. But that Sam Haynes is by far, that's like my favorite of Danzig's stuff. It's just, you know, I. They just fucking looked cool. They were wearing all black. They had the cool haircuts. Their music was like very, um, just sounded weird. Like it sounded like it was recorded in a cave, you know? Yeah. And uh, the lyrics were like a little bit more evil, you know? And I don't know. And then there was like all this like brutal stuff. And then To Walk the Night, which is like this very croony, once again, going back to like the Roy Orbison, like Elvis like that stuff really resonates with me, like that croony style. And Danzig is just like a master at that, you know. Absolutely, man. And I mean, you could say that, like, I mean, in a way, I mean, Sam Hain was like a Halloween themed band in a lot of ways. I mean, Sam Hain is just kind of like, I mean, another term for that, or, or kind of like the origin of what became Halloween, right? Am I, am I, do I have that right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there's like, uh, you know, it's funny. Some, some guy tried to correct me on this you know like try to put me in check down in atlantic city <laughs> like, like i was wearing a sam hain t-shirt now danzig calls the band sam hain okay right now of course if you want to be a dork about it and you you know you might have like read an article about like witchcraft or something you know and you can correct people and say oh yeah it's sal win you know and it's like you know, oh. yeah good good for you you know you read right something or your girlfriend told you about it because she's like into wicca or something like you know like good for you great 
But that's not how the band's name is pronounced, just to let you guys know. Yeah. So wait, wait, what is that pronunciation? Is that like Welsh or Gaelic or something? Yeah, it's like it's from um, Albion, you know, like the uh, ancient Britain. And it's um, okay. Got yeah, it. it's like it's uh, where the veil is the thinnest between our world and the spirit world. You know, I like that. I yeah, like that. of course. It's like perfect for, you know, for the name of a band that Glenn Danzig would be in. Now, philosophically, one of the reasons why I love this band is that it takes all these archetypes that you see in like, you know, horror literature, you know, like werewolves, vampires and stuff. But it it really gets into the essence of the mythology, you know, behind it and uses those as elements in the song lyrics. You know, that stuff is like, you know, I mean, I, everyone who's been listening to this shows know what a dork I am about like horror and like, you know, weird fiction and all that stuff. And I have to say that Sam Hain was one of those bands along with reading H.P. Lovecraft and Robert E. Howard and all that stuff that kind of formed the way that I, I took all this stuff in and really sparked my interest in, you know, reading all this stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, uh, I, Glenn Danzig is like obviously um, pretty, you know, well versed. I'm sure he's read a lot of the same books you have. Yeah. Um, and he just seems very well versed and stuff. And it's such a great. Um, I just love his sort of um, approach to all this stuff. You know, they're all kind of like coming out of the sort of. You can tell he grew up like watching like those universal horror movies, like when they put him on TV as like the midnight movie and in, in, uh, you know, Lodi, New, Jer- New Jersey in, in, you know, 1975 or whatever, you know what I mean? Totally. Um, tell if that was his, his world and like the, the, the comic books of the era and all that stuff. And, um, he really, um, I don't know. He's, he's like one of these guys. It's like, I think he, he, I think he's real. I think he's uh, sort of sad. All his music is really satisfying to listen to just from a, on a sonic level. It's sonically pleasing. Um, but also, like, if you want to kind of nerd out on this stuff, too, I think he meets that level as well, you know? Absolutely, man. I, I am a big fan of of his lyrics. Like, some of the most powerful yeah. lyrics, I think, in, in whatever, you know, metal, punk, rock, music, whatever. And in some ways, you can say that he's kind of mastered all three of those genres, like punk, you know, metal, hard rock, like all that, blues rock, whatever. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know... And I've had many like interactions with him over the years, some more positive than others. Um, but I, I don't, you know, he, as a as a as a songwriter and as a creative force, I think the guy is like untouchable. You know? Yeah, I don't care if I ever meet him, man. It's like I I kind of gave up on trying to meet people that I have like respect for. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, you know, occasionally I am in the same room as like people that I think are, you know, have been huge influences on me. But I I forego making attempts to actually meet people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I, I also don't really, I mean, I don't make attempts outside of like, you know, well, it's part of your job is to talk to right, people. Right, so right. it's different, you know? Yeah. 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 I don't, I don't like, I don't, I, but I'm with you. Though. I don't, I don't like saunter up to people and introduce myself either. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but uh, yeah, I've been lucky enough to meet a lot of these people through, through work and he's one of them. Um, and you know, we've had some good interactions and some bad interactions and that's just, you know, that's life. <laughs> yeah. Like last night, like, you know, Lydia lunch was at that event I went to and, um, you know, I, I'm a fan of her 
like uh, more of her writing, I think, you know? Yeah. And some of the music she's done has been really cool. Like she's done, she did a, a record with Roland Howard from um, the birthday party. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And that's a pretty cool record. But as just like this, um, like powerful, like fucking person, I think she rules, you know, she's friends. She's real good friends with Eugene, but like, you know, it was a small little intimate space and people are like getting pictures with her and stuff. And I'm like, I'm not going to go fucking, Hey, I'm Mike, you know, like you take a picture with me or whatever. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. Carl McCoy was, uh, like we played uh Roadburn the same day that fields of the Nephilim played. And, um, you know, backstage at that beautiful venue that hosts, that hosts that, um, that festival, everyone's kind of there. You know, like Claudio Simonetti was there, like, uh, you know, Carl McCoy was there, right? Yeah. And, you know, you know, I, I think the world of the Fields of the Nephilim and Carl McCoy is like such a huge influence on me and my writing and lyrics and all that stuff. And, um, yeah, I just I could have went up to see him. I could have I could have talked to him, but I, I just, you know what, man, the guy's drinking in a cappuccino. Just leave him alone, you know? Yeah, no, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. All right, so that was it, right? You get, you did your number one. I did my number one. Okay. Um, yeah. You, you gonna, got any uh, honorable mentions or anything like that? Yeah, I got a few. I got a couple. I'll just mention them real quick. Um, uh, okay, you know, we talked about King Diamond earlier, and I just felt like I had to, because I, I, I love Merciful Fate so much, uh, and I've been thinking about him because, I'm, you know, I, I did an interview with King Diamond recently, and, and they're on tour, Merciful Fate on tour. So I had to include Merciful Fate, Evil, uh, it's not a Halloween song per se, but I think it definitely has a Halloween atmosphere. So that's, I have that one on there. Um, there's a, a cool band out of Detroit called Acid Witch. Yeah. Um, love those guys, they do a lot of Halloween themed stuff. They have a song called I hate Halloween, which is really cool. Um, I put that on there and then, uh, what else? My last one is. Okay. So I put a how, you know, we, earlier I mentioned that I, there's a band called Halloween. They have a song called trick or treat. I have another song called Trick or Treat on here. It's by a band, by the band Fastway. Oh, yeah, man. Those guys are great. Fast Eddie Clark, man. Pete Way. Fast Eddie Clark. Fast Eddie Clark. And it was, and originally the, ba- the original bass player of Fastway was Pete Way yeah. of UFO. But um, he ended up leaving the band before they recorded anything. Um, still a killer band. Uh, and then, so this was kind of like the title track. There was a movie that came out in the 80s called Trick or Treat. Um, Gene Simmons was in it. Uh, one of the kids from family ties not michael j fox but uh the guy who played skip i can't remember his name <laughs> skip. he was like the star he yeah. was like the star of the movie and gene simmons played like a, uh had like a kind of a cameo role as like a dj um but yeah trick fast we did the whole soundtrack trick or treat and this they did the whole soundtrack the track that's cool yeah the whole soundtrack man yeah it's killer um and uh yeah so this song in particular i mean it's called trick or treat so it's like you know you gotta have dogs you know i i like gene simmons in um as an actor yeah he's not bad right i mean you know i mean when you think about his whole thing in kiss is kind of being an actor i mean it makes sense right (laughs) he was in a movie with tom Selleck. uh fuck man what the hell's the name it's like a science fiction movie with tom Selleck. yeah i can't i know exactly what you're talking about and i can't remember the name of it either 
anyway, yeah, if anyone can remember the name of that, definitely let us know. But that he was like the villain, of course. And there was a scene yeah. where he's like, coffee, black. And I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, real quick, real quick, uh, real quick about Acid Witch. They yeah. um didn't they have didn't they cover uh, Cherry Orchards by Celtic Frost? Oh, that's I, a good question. I don't. I want to say that they did because I, well, I'm I'm one so of the few Cal- people that like that record actually. Cold Lake. I like some songs on it as well. I think what you might I don't know if they did that song, but I, what you might be thinking of is maybe ten or so years ago there was a Celtic Frost tribute record that came out. <laughs> Uh, and Acid Witch were on it, but the people who covered, did they do Cherry Orchards? I want to say they did, man. Because I thought, I know Scott Carlson from Repulsion did a track, and he did a song from Cold Lake as well. Um, I thought he did Cherry Orchards, but I could be confused about that. But Acid Witch were on it, so you could be right. Either way, they're both, Scott Carlson and Acid Witch are both on this Celtic Frost uh, tribute record, um, and uh, but I forget who does what now. You, so you, that could be it. Maybe they did do two cherry orchards. You know that that's um, no no one likes that record at all, man. And and it's like I I actually am pretty fond of that Cold Lake record. I think it's cool, man. I think it's cool too. No one no one hates it more than Tom Warrior. You know? Yeah, yeah, tough, no doubt, man. <laughs> So uh, my, I have a few honorable mentions. I got, uh, well, this is another one that's right on the nose. Ministry, Every Day is Halloween. You know, yeah. single, 1984. Yeah. Now, this is not an obvious Halloween song, but uh, Danzig, Sistinus, once again, going into the croony, Roy Orbison atmosphere that I think is where Glenn Danzig shines. And of course, that's off of Danzig 3, How the Gods Kill. And that's just man, like, I, uh, you know, late night driving in a Camaro. I don't know, man. It's like one of those tracks. You know what I mean, Jay? I love that song. I love that. I think I think How the Gods Kill might be my favorite Danzig record. I think it's awesome. I love that song in particular. And I have a story about that track. So a few years ago, Black Mare, a band I was in yeah. for a little while, played played at the Cycle Las Vegas Festival. And Danzig was a big headliner. We played on the same day as Danzig. So we got to play, and then we hung out, and we got to see Danzig. And it was the year he was playing How the Gods Kill in its entirety. Except for, he and I didn't know this when we walked in there, but I was, you know, by the time they finished the show, it was pretty clear, they skipped Sistina's. <sighs> I couldn't fucking believe it. I was so bummed. Hmm. They played every song in the record except this one, and it's such a great song. I don't get it. I, I saw him play that song on the uh, that legacy tour he did with um, where they did a where uh, where Doyle came out and um, they did Misfits and Sam Hain and Danzig and you know you know you, you remember that tour? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, I saw him perform that and it was fucking powerful, man. It's great. So cool. Yeah, I love that song. That's another great choice, man. Excellent yeah. call. And uh, my final honorable mention is 45 Grave Party Time. And, of course, that's from the Return of the Living Dead soundtrack. Awesome. 
And I, I, every time I hear that song, I think about zombies and people, you know, getting their brains eaten and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, that movie is, that's possibly like one of the, I mean, uh, it's like, I don't know. I love that movie, man. And it's like, it's, just, it's so much fun. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's kind of like goofy, but it's so much fun, man. And that, and that one scene where, um, oh, what's her face takes her clothes off and starts dancing. Oh, in the grave Linnea up. Quigley. Like, yeah. Linnea Quigley, thank you. He did a workout video a few years later, I think. Like an aerobic <laughs> video. She did. Um, uh, yeah, man, I love that movie, man. That's another one. Uh, having this conversation is making me think about all the movies I got to like bust out and watch. Yeah, man, this, totally. This. Yeah, Linnea Quigley was one of the uh, big scream queens back then, along with uh, Barbara Crampton. And uh, yes, Barbara Crampton, man, she's that lady has got to be she's in her 60s, man. And I don't know. She's um, I think that's uh, she must be like bathing in blood, man. She looks like she's 30 years old, man. Good for her. And, you know, man, I met her a few years ago. A friend of mine did a movie. He was he was the, the director of photography on a movie she was in. And he, um, you know, they were doing a premiere and he had like, he was like, hey, you want to come with me to this premiere? Blah, blah, blah. So I went and um, it was not one of those things where like I did not go up and try to like introduce. He just he just like kind of marched me up to her and was like, "You got to meet Barbara Cramp." And I was like, "All right, fuck. Wow. Like, I'm not gonna say no. I'm not gonna say no." So I met her. She's a very nice lady. She's very cool. But yes, exactly. And I had the same impression that we were saying. I was like, I was looking at him like, "How the fuck do you look this good?" Yeah, you know? she's like Elizabeth Bathory or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's it's incredible. What a what a lady. Yeah. Big big fan. Prolific. So many great movies, man. You know, and it's like, uh, yeah. I, I love that she embraced being a, a, a star in like genre films. You know, it's like, you know, horror movies for a really long time were, were like second class citizens, you know, like no one really gave them respect, especially movies from the 80s, you know. And um, I feel like lately people are recognizing horror f- films for, uh, you know, being, being, you know, important culturally. You know? Yeah. 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 Um, well, I mean, man, reanimator. Like, um, well, that's another one. I put that in the same category as, um, Oh, from, Return Oh yeah. They were, uh, from beyond reanimator. Those are all, uh, Stuart Gordon films. They were like loose adaptations yeah. of, uh, some of Lovecraft's work. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, another thing I think, I think, um, our, our mutual friend, uh, Jeff from yeah. ISIS, uh, he turned me on to Stuart, Stuart Gordon there did a, um, he directed a one man play. Yes. Starring the actor from reanimator. whose name is escaping me. Jeffrey Coombs. Yes. Starring Jeffrey Coombs, uh, as Edgar Allan Poe. Yep. Uh, and it was, did you see that? It was amazing. No, I didn't see it, man. I think it's called nevermore. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. It was, it was great, man. It was, it was excellent. He did a one man show out here. I, uh, I don't know if they took it around the country or what, but I saw it in a little theater, uh, and it was dynamite. And it was yeah, those two guys paired up again from the Reanimator. Yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome, man. That's that's so cool. So um, so yeah, that, that's our list. Everyone check out the playlist. Hopefully, um, you know, it's uh, spooky enough for everyone on this uh, All Hallows Eve season that we're in. And um, dude, I saw the monsters today. <laughs> 
I yeah. started watching it last night, and I had and I had to like I, I couldn't I didn't finish it. I mean, I want to watch the. What did you think? I I, I I mean, I was interested for the like first twenty minutes I saw. Ah oh, man, I, I I mean, we're I the only reason I watched it is because we're going to be doing a Necromaniacs episode on it, and um, we uh, Mike and I promised to do one. Okay on on one of our shows and uh one of the episodes and then when the film came out people started reminding us that we have to do an episode on it so i was like oh man i was hoping to sidestep watching this thing man but i so i watched it today i like you know powered through the whole thing it's long it's like a hundred and it's like almost two hours long oh okay all right i didn't notice that when i was I yeah man running time. yeah this guy is like i saw the first that's night, yeah He's uh, we're you know, it, it's an abusive uh, waste of time, if you ask me. I think you know, just that's just my pre oh, my initial feelings about it, you know. But you know, I'm I'm not a fan of Rob Zombie's film. That's who directed it, right, Rob Zombie? Yeah. Um, I, I'm I'm not generally a fan of his films. I thought House of a Thousand Corpses was okay. Um, uh, but I, the reason I was interested in this movie in particular is because I believe there's an actor named Daniel Robach who I believe plays the Count the monsters okay um, yeah uh he was in one of my favorite movies of all time uh in that came out in 1986 called the river's edge which oh was yes yeah great movie yep he was the guy who killed his girlfriend um oh john that's yeah john exactly um that's the kind of whole story revolves around and he's in that and that's and that's kind of that's what kind of caught my eye about it huh. i was like oh like you know what i'm actually going to check that out because it's kind of cool that they got him in there wow yeah, that guy shows up. Over the years, he showed up in other films I've seen him in. And I remember, now that you mention it, that movie where um, I think Crispin Glover asks him, he's like, John, why did you kill her, man? And he's like, she was talking shit. She was talking shit, man. <laughs> that movie's yeah. fucking mental, man. It also has an incredible heavy metal soundtrack, too. Yep, Slayer. Uh, Slayer's on there. Um isn't uh, Orange. All Hallows Eve? Aren't they on that too? Oh, yeah, Hallows Eve. Yeah, Hallows, Hallows Eve, Eve rather. Yeah. Like three Slayer songs, Agent Orange, and there's like a weird like burning spear, like reggae song or something <laughs> on there. <laughs> so that's based on a true story. That murder, like, so that's based on a murder that happened for real in Central California. That whole story is kind of like based on a true story where a guy, a kid in high school, killed his girlfriend showed the body to his friends like and they all and they and it was like kind of no one reported it for like several days um that happened that's that movie based on i did um, not know that i was yeah i always i've been trying right before eugene eugene was doing that aussie site yeah uh, and they had me do i was writing a few like true crime type things for them which i was really into and that was kind of like the last thing i pitched to them i really wanted to write that story um that about the real murder um and then the whole that whole aussie thing fucking blew up in spectacular fashion so i never got to write it um but hopefully one day i would love to write about that and uh because that movie is like i mean it, it might be my favorite movie ever it's like so so good like so quotable um and dennis hopper crispin glover ioni sky i mean you know even keanu reeves you know it's, yeah it's great yeah man feck Right? Isn't that um Yeah. yeah. It's Crispin Glover. Oh, that's Dennis Hopper, yeah. That's yeah, Dennis yeah. Hopper. That that's a yeah, that's yeah. an unusual name for a person, I think. Yeah. It's his, you know, uh, you know, uh what 
I used to eat so much pussy in those days. My beard was like a glazed donut. <laughs> <laughs> There's also when he's talking about how he lost his leg, and he's like, there was my leg yeah. out there on the street next to that beer can. And I was wondering, there's my leg. wonder if there's any beer in that can. <laughs> they don't make movies like that anymore, you know? No, I mean, I don't think you can. I don't think, I think they'd get, you get, you'd get canceled or something, you know what I mean? It's like, great. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, man. All right, Jay. So that that's awesome, man. Thank you. Thank you for taking time out. And uh, this is cool. My pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. It's always great doing these with you. I love it. Right on, dude. Thanks for listening, everyone. To walk the night.